Hello and welcome to Inside Fingal, the podcast that gives you an insight into the work being done by the councillors and staff of Fingal County Council to make Fingal a better place to live, work, visit and do business in. My name is Jerry McDermott, I'm the Media and Communications Manager here at Fingal County Council and I hope you'll stay with me as we continue to inform you about the work of your local authority. On this podcast, we try to show you the huge variety of work that Fingal County Council does. And over the past 14 episodes, we've talked about business, lifeguards, greenways, procurement, baiting water quality, waste enforcement, sport, heritage, climate action, and the county development plan. And we even had one podcast just talking about football. I've been joined by Fingal's arts officer, Rory O'Byrne. And over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to look at how the arts have developed within Fingal since the creation of the council almost 28 years ago in 1994. I suppose I can start our conversation maybe with a very basic question, but possibly a very difficult one to answer. How do you define the arts? Well, it is a very difficult one to answer and something that clever people than me uh, have struggled with. I suppose it's a human activity. It's something that we do. Somebody said one time that the arts were a luxury we didn't need but couldn't do without. So if you think of broad culture in Ireland, you think of Crow Park, you think of big music venue, you think of galleries, things like that. We don't need them. We're not going to die if we don't have an All-Ireland final. But we're going to be a lot poorer because it's part of our culture. It's how we look at ourselves and, rec- and, and, and how, we, how we understand ourselves. If we don't have music, if we don't have films, if we don't have arts, we will carry on, but we'll be a lot poorer. Because I always think the best thing about art, especially at a local level, it gives, a, it gives people an opportunity to tell their story, tell, tell, say something about who they are, where they live, how they live, their experience of living. So that, that's what I would see it. I would see it as, uh, I see it as essential to us, especially as Irish people, because we're people who love to talk, sing, uh, ruminate about things. And the next application is to put that into a book, put it into a play, put it into a song, put it into a painting, put it into a film. So um, for such a small nation, we've had a huge impact on the arts worldwide and uh, continue to do so. Do, do you think people take the arts for granted, given that it's so ingrained in what we do? Probably, yeah. They probably there's a, there's an element you see it as a middle class activity. Uh, you know what I mean. Working class people don't go to art colleges. Well, they probably do. Probably. I mean, you know, there's a lot of arts activity that happen without the likes of me. You know, there's there's kids playing musical instruments in their houses this morning. There's sessions organised for pubs this weekend or whenever COVID allows that have nothing to do with grants or permissions or whatever. There are people writing books, painting paintings, making films without talking to me, without looking for permission, without looking for money. You know, it's, it's part of being a human being that we want to express ourselves, we want to go beyond ourselves, we want to leave something behind us, we want to be something. Um, and so that activity will always go on regardless of arts councils or local authority arts offices. And we are better because of the arts. Well, we're hugely better. I mean, what do we get? Can I give an example of what it would be like not having? I can. North Korea. So there's no room for the individual. There's no room for expression. Uh, The only thing you can sing are political songs. Uh, There's no interpretation of who we are, how we live, or what it's like to be alive. So if you want the example and you don't want the arts in your country, we'll go to North Korea or go to Belarus or somewhere like that, a dictatorship. So, you know, there's a great solace in the arts, you know, even at local level. I mean, you know, you go into Rosh, Lusk, Balbriggan. You know, there are people in there that I know for 30 years who, uh, whose whole life revolves around arts, be it acting with the local uh, music and dramatic society or being as poets or painters or, or whatever. It only adds to the richness of life, the arts. 
And that's something obviously you know very well because you've been with Fingal County Council since it came into being on January the 1st, 1994. Can you tell me how you became Fingal Arts Officer? Sure, delighted to. Yeah, I was actually with uh, Dublin County Council before um, Fingal County Council. I was a graduate in National College of Art and I was a, a, I was a teacher in secondary schools, teaching in the Leaving Cert. Um, and at the time there was an initiative came in called, called Art Squad and what what that was doing was it was giving work for artists in community settings and I kind of got half involved in it and then about uh, about 1992-93 there was two major things that happened there was a thing called the Dublin Arts Report and then there was the Barrington Report which suggested that Dublin County Council which was a huge organisation was split up into fours and the Dublin Arts Report which was commissioned by a woman called Maureen O'Born my namesake uh, said that local authorities should take on suitably qualified arts professionals to run their the, the run their arts offices or begin the process of run their arts offices and it literally was an ad and like good, good Irish boys my mother saw it <laughs> cut it out and said to me you should apply for that so I would trot it into a count street in my best suit in 1993 I did my interview and became an arts officer so at that time there was four arts officers the first the first one was 1987 in Clare I think there was one in Donegal for a long, long time, uh, Galway, um, and I'm not sure that it could have been Cork or Monaghan, but anyway, there was four, because I met four arts officers, very established, someone, someone who I know, still, I still know the Donegal arts officer, Trelock, and I still know the Monaghan arts office, officer and things like that, so they were kind of outposts. And so I, I began it. And at the time, it was, you know, when I walked into Fingal County Council, I used to kind of say to myself, they should have called me the what's this you do officer, because that's all I got for a decade was, what's this you do? Who do, wh- who, what's he, who's he? So I got a lot of that. Uh, I was on my own f- till the early ninth, till, I think I was on my own till about 2003, so about eight years, nine years. So what I was trying to do was see what was already there, and then I was trying to set up an infrastructure, and I was trying to see what the council had. I mean, there had been, you know, there had been the thing called the 1973 Arts Act, which was amended in 2003, which allowed local authorities to spend their money on arts activities within their county. So I could give you, Jerry, you're in charge of Blanchardstown Music and Dramatic Society, and you want to put on a play. So I can, you can come to me and Rory say, I want to do that, so I can give you 5,000 euros to do that. That was allowed after 1973, but wasn't organised. And there was also nowhere for you to play your play. There was no art centres, there was no theatres, there was no infrastructure. So I set about that. I depended on the advice of more senior arts officers, and I depended on help and support from the Arts Council of Ireland, which are based in town. People always get, people still call me the Arts Council. I'm not the Arts Council. The Arts Council is the government's art body set up in 1957. Um, and they, they deal with it. I deal with the arts locally. They would deal with the arts nationally. When you started, like, like you've painted a picture there of what the arts was like in Fingal and, you know, from, from what you were sort of saying, it seems to be that there was very little infrastructure and mm. very little structure at, of any sort with it. Did you have a grand plan, like, like how you wanted the arts to, to develop? Well, I, I had a grand, I had, my grand plan was to get a grand plan, you know what I mean? I wanted, I knew not to move quickly and I knew that, you know, local, local government is, is by its very nature a conservative uh, place. And I, I wanted to look at examples of how others had done it. So I looked to England, I looked to Wales, I looked to our own country, our own country, and looked in other counties. And I saw there was a pattern involved in it. You know that, you know, for instance, I went into local towns. I give the exhibit. Exi- I'll give you an example of of a rural place like the Knoll. I went in there and met two young men 
well, maybe they were the same age as me at that age, but they were early 30s, Sean McPhillabine and Jer Griffin. And what they had done is they had organised uh, an event around a local traditional figure, Seamus Ennis, who was, you know, a nationally important figure, uh, the chief person in the revival of traditional music in the 1970s, a great music collector, had travelled all around the islands collecting whale songs in the Shetland. He worked for the BBC. It was an immense figure. He had the ability to stand in a field with a book and notate music straight from the voice. I've seen his books who are in the, they're in Merrion Square in the Interdition Music Archive and in this beautiful handwriting, this long handwriting. He, won, he once claimed to have, have notated 23 songs from one man in a field in Clare. I mean, he was a genius, a genius, and he saved so much culture for us. So they'd, they'd organise a local festival there for Seamus. Every year there was the Seamus Ennis Skull, so local musicians come along. So I'd come in, so what do I do? Well, my job was to support them. What more can I do? What else can you do? Can we bring in people back from America as old musicians and you know, expand the festival, make it bigger? And then eventually turned into, could we have a centre? So there was a local premises that we looked to buy. So, you know, you, your work with already is there. You don't interrupt that and you build upon it. And then you make some big strokes. So you say, well, we need, in the, one of the big urban areas, we need, you know, a 400-seat theatre. We need two, a couple of galleries. We need those things. So you, you start your plans for Dreyacht in, in, in Blanchardstown. Um, and then you set up a series of supports, many supports, be it grants, be it bursaries, be it subventions, be it educational supports in local schools, start developing over 10 years I developed relationships with all the local schools and school principals we brought, I, I, I'm, part of my job has always been to give, give work to artists, so to put artists into schools to give them a job so I could pay them a fee to go in and teach kids how to rap or how to dance or how to sing or how to record or make a movie or things like that so it was on many fronts but you know there were steady steps uh, there were planned steps there was no you know there was there was no knee-jerk reaction I was trying to set up networks within Fingal uh, to see to, to, to judge the level of activity and see how I could help and I suppose the uh, the arts plans you, you talked about trying to create a grand plan and, and eventually you did like the first arts plan in 2006 and then you had another one in 2013 and we have a current one which began in mm. 2019 that runs mm. to 2025 They've brought structure to the mm. thing. They have brought structure, and we required on the legislation as a local authority to have one. Um, I always thought in writing plans, you know what I mean, they were, they were written and, hit, and then they hit the shelf, and, you know, that was it. Uh, first of all, the thing I'm proud of our plans is we wrote them all ourselves. We didn't hand them out to consultants, fell asleep for six months and come back and collect it. We wrote them, and we also publicly consulted. So I didn't sit in here and say, I know what's good for Fingal. I went to the towns and villages. I held public meetings. I got abused and shouted at. Um, and I, I took all that together. I then looked at the national scene, the European scene, and I said, with a county which is rural, urban and maritime. We have, we, have a, we, we have a distinction of having certain needs that Dublin City wouldn't have. Because where we're sitting here, Jerry and Swords, 35 minutes from here there are farmers putting cattle out in land this morning. Now, you know, that's not happening in Dublin City. It's probably not even happening in Dunley Red Down, and it's certainly not happening in South Dublin. But it happens. We have a very rural, urban divide here, and we have a maritime coast, a big, long, beautiful coast. So how do we fit the arts into that? So we had to write it. We had to, you know, make a bespoke to Fingal. We couldn't take one off the shelf, and we couldn't copy somebody else's. Yeah. And I, I've been looking through the arts, the, particularly the current arts plan, yeah. and I'm very intrigued by the values that are outlined mm. in it, um, which are integrity, confidence, curiosity, and inclusiveness. Why were those four selected? 
Well, I suppose we were looking for characteristics that we wanted to imbue in, in, in how we deliver the service. I mean, you know, it may be unfashionable now, but I mean, you know, I see myself as a public servant, so a servant of the public. It's not a word you hear a lot in local government anymore. But I mean, when I began, uh, I was trained by a man called Charlie Brahoon, who was a bit like your father and had a red pen. And before you did anything or wrote a grant, he brought it in and he scribbled all over and told you to go out and do it again. He told us that we always attend, which meant that we must always leave this building and go to people. They don't come into us, we go to them. And that you treat people with, 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 with um, respect and dignity and you listen. And um, I'm not sure how far that is today when somebody comes in. The world is probably faster now and people trot along a lot quicker. But I think the values that we imbue in it about integrity, that we, we, that we would, you know, that what decisions we make and the, 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 the line of development we go is based on the idea, is based on the idea of integrity, that we think that we know what would be the best way to develop the arts in Fingal for the benefit of the people of Fingal. So what was the other one? Inclusiveness. Well, inclusiveness would mean, I mean, we have a county that's massively changing. You know, I mean, look at Balbriggan. I think it's, was it 27 or 30 percent of the people now are not, were not born in that town. Um, we did a series of films with some young uh, African people in Balbriggan about what it's like to live in North Dublin and the issues involved. And I think there's a lot more to be done there. We've just appointed an officer, inclusion officer within the council. Uh, you know, we're probably going through now what the likes of London and, and Tottenham went through in the 80s, you know, with suddenly an infusion of people and the, the boats unbalanced are in people's mind it is. And we have to be very careful how we proceed here. And I found it difficult to talk to, talk to a lot of, of, I mean, to a lot of new, new Irish people, a lot of immigrants. I found it people very close and they didn't want to. I remember going out into mushroom farms out the back of Ballybahal where a lot of Polish people just about 10 years ago worked. They didn't want to talk to me. Uh, eventually I got around them and what they wanted was they wanted a religious festival and they wanted Polish cinema. That's what they wanted to see. That's what they would participate in. So, you know, it's not one size fits all in terms of culture. People have very definite views of how they see their work. I mean, African people have another way of seeing it. But everything that we do now is that we have to be inclusive and we have to think that we're multicultural uh, within Fingal. It's not, uh, you know, all white, all Catholic anymore. Uh, and uh, we have to think about that when we do our plans and when we speak to a people that those, those, those elements are included within it. Has that made the job more interesting? It's made it more interesting and made it more difficult because you're constantly thinking, I don't know enough about this area. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not skilled enough. But, of course, the answer to that is to ask questions um, and not get involved, involved in formulas and language and cliches. You know, as I said, my old boss, Charlie Berhoon, said, you know, you, you must attend. I mean, Get off your backside and get out into the community. Go into the community centres out in West Blanchestown in Anger. Knock at the door. Go in and speak to people. Ask them. You don't have to be get, trying to sell something. You can, you can just get into the conversations. And that's what we do. And that's what the staff do. And, of course, we meet a lot of individual artists who would be writers or musicians who would be non-Irish as well. And that's a good way as, uh, of doing it as well. But it's a constant ch- a challenge. And I think it's going to be a huge part of the work of this local authority for the next decade or two. And it's, it's going to leave, like, I suppose, the Fingal mix to be a completely different mix completely than it was 20, 20, 20, 30 years ago. Completely different thing. And you know what I mean? We will all sit up one day and turn on our tellies and the Dublin team will run out the Crow Park and, uh, you know, 10 of them will be non-white. And why not? Yeah. 
Why not? Yeah. That's New Ireland. It's about time we, we embrace it, grew up as Irish people. You can't close your door to the world. That's who we are now. And I think it's nothing but healthy. Nothing but healthy. In, in, in your arts plan, you have four strategic goals, which are making space for art, connecting people and ideas, uh, enabling excellence, and developing our capacity. What are you hoping to deliver by, by meeting those goals? Well, making space for art can be, mean two things. It can make physical space or emotional space. We always wanted to make the arts meaningful for people in their lives. The arts are, you know, you know, they're, you know they could be seen as a minority sport, a bit like hockey. You know what I mean? Everybody knows it's there, but everybody gets involved. What I'm saying to people is, you'd, I don't want you to be an artist. It's not compulsory to become an artist in Fingal, but why don't you come and sit in an audience and enjoy the arts? Or why don't you let your kids get involved in it? Or your son wants to learn how to use a, you know, a digital camera, or or he wants to learn how to record sound, or your daughter wants to learn to sing or play the piano, I can help you with that, I can help you out of that. So making space means making space for, in people's lives, but it also makes making physical space, like sort of cultural quarter, we're building a theatre here, we're building other things here, we're building artist studios in Balbregan, you know, we're making, making physical space. I'm just looking at the enabling excellence. Well, enabling excellence is that somebody has to set the standard of what's acceptable and what's not, and that probably comes down to the likes of us. I mean, you know what I mean? There, you know, let, let's understand it. What, great, what makes great art, or what, what great artists do is that they edit themselves. They don't say everything I do is art because it's not. There are bad artists like there's bad solicitors, like there's bad footballers. Um, and my job is to keep the standards high and that's what I do. So the certain things I don't support, don't fund and won't let into our art centres because they're just not good enough. And so people, you know wouldn't be the most popular view, but there you are. Uh, developing our capacity, well, that's one close to my heart. I mean, developing our capacity means that we develop our capacity to meet the challenges that are coming down the line. And what that means is that the council, you know, have to give the resources to allow us to meet our ambition. We're, ambition, we're ambitious, we're a very experienced arts office, we have a very good reputation naturally, we're taught very high, highly by the, by the statutory bodies, that's not patting me in the back, that's to do with the staff, but we, you know, we would be seen as one of the most ex more, more experienced one, and we would have a good reputation, but that only stares for so long. The county is changing all the time. The, the, the opportunities and the challenges get bigger and bigger. We have to have enough staff, enough experienced staff, enough trained staff to be able to meet that. Otherwise, what we do is we keep putting people away from the door, keep saying we won't take on that, we won't build this, we won't go down that way because we don't have the staff, we don't have the infrastructure, we don't have the amount of people to do it. And the big challenge in local government is not money. We seem COVID has brought one thing, and that's... You know, there, you know, lots of money. There's lots of money coming in the door. And probably in the 30 years I've been an arts officer, I've never seen so much money coming from central government, from the Department of Arts, Culture and the Gael and from the Arts Council. They're only short of backing up trucks and in front of the council and dropping it off in wheelbarrows. I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of money. But the great challenge with money is not only to spend it, but to spend it wisely. And we're not managing to do that because it's been thrown down the chimney to us. We need staff and we need space be able to do it properly and that's what I would say as I come to the end of my career is the great challenge for Fingal staffing yeah and you've obviously know a lot about that because you've gone from being a one-man band yeah. to being the leader of a, of a team mm. T tell me how you built that team and, and and I suppose you've touched on it there how ha having mm. that team yeah. helps you do the job 
Well, there was two areas that were essential. Young people uh, uh, were essential because, you know, Fingal has the greatest percentage of young people or in any county in Ireland that did have, I think it's second now. So I needed an officer to corral that. I needed an officer to look into that, what has been done in that area in terms of uh, children and young people in the arts. A huge, huge area, a huge area of work. You could do nothing else all day but that. The other area uh, was a statutory thing, was public arts. So what are public arts? Art, public, uh, public arts are arts that are in public. So probably people would say, well, sculptures and things you see on roundabouts and on the M50 and things like that. Well, it's more than that, but that could do it. So there's a thing called the percentage for art, two, 1987. It means that a percentage of every capital build, if I build a school across the road and it costs 10 million, well, a percentage of that must go to an arts end so either an object or something else so it's called an arts feature a percentage for that and there's bands of how much i would get if it cost 10 million now that money is ring fenced by the government it can be used for nothing else only an art piece and if it's not used it's 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 taken back by the government so it's called the percentage for arts game every local authority does it we have a huge amount of development in fingal a huge amount of housing going up of industrial say it's going up every one of them has a percentage for arts so there's a huge amount of money millions going around that we have to manage and say what are we going to do with it so the trend nowadays is that you don't put up a piece of stone or a piece of bronze you might commission a play get somebody to write a book make a film do a recording so what they call temporary artworks are non-permanent and I needed an officer for that, so that's where Caroline Cowley came in, and she's our public arts officer. And then I needed somebody to deal with the professional arts. So those, the arts can be separated into the two things. So you and I, Jerry, go and see a play. So and we might give a handout. So we're the voluntary sector of the amateur arts. We don't do it for a living. We're not dependent for our living. We do it as an activity, a social activity, a, you know, something we enjoy. But then there's the fellow who lives next door who is a professional cameraman, who is a filmmaker, a sound recorder, a painter, uh, a fashion uh, designer, uh, um, and whatever it is. But they depend on that as their living. So they're income-based. So I needed somebody to deal with those people. Uh, and so Sarah O'Neill came in and she dealt with the professional arts. She also dealt with our strategy and how to, how to set out a strategy for the next five years. Because one of our roles within Fingal is that we have devised the manager, uh, and the councillors on the best path forwards. Given that we're all graduates and given that we're, we're you know, fiercely clever, <laughs> um, we, we have to say to councillors, this is our advice to you on how you spend the millions for the next 10 years, or this is the advice of senior management on what direction we should go. We shouldn't do what Dublin City Council is doing, we should be doing what we're doing because we're different. Yeah, um, and just to give a mention to uh, Julie Clark, who is Julie our youth, Clark, and, our youth education and education officer, officer yeah. does a great job. Yeah. Caroline Cowley, our public arts officer, and Sarah Neil, who's who's what's called the deputy arts officer. So they're the core staff, yeah. and then we have obviously we've. Tommy and Owen who do our finance and then we have Denise Reddy who is a part-time who does a lot of work on the professional arts as well. So it's a small very fit little team uh, I'd love to see it doubled but you know uh, yeah, they're a great team, they're very experienced and they're excellent at what they do Yeah and I, and I suppose the, 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 the track record is there um, oh, The track to, record to, to is there I mean, like, and, yeah. and where Fingal is used as an example of good practice for other local authorities I'm not just saying that, it's true yeah. People you know, want to see how we built Dreyuk I mean we built Dreyuk 21 years ago built the Seamus Center 21 years ago The easy bits to build them 
the hard bit is for them to survive for two decades and make a living and get people into the door. I mean, I think in the last year of trading, 55,000 people paid into Drake and Blanchardstown. I mean, that started from nothing to 55,000. And you have to build it into people's social life. That Besides going to the pub or going and watching the telly, you can also go and see a bit of live theatre, go and see Des, Des Bishop in a live comedy show. You know, build it into people's, you know, routine and life. So, you know... People think, oh, we're going to build a theatre in Swords, great. Well, the easy thing is to build it in Swords. Next thing you have to do is get people to go into it. Not the first week when it's, uh, oh, it's brilliant, there's a new theatre. But in 10 years' time. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you look back over the, the 28 years that you've been the arts officer here in Fingal, what, what have been the highlights for you? Has it been Driocht and Seamus Ennis? Well, I, yeah. I mean, I am Northam and person. I'm from Old Fingal, so I am an original Filgalian. Um, and so I grew up in this county I cycled this county as a boy uh, I love North Dublin because there's a uniqueness that you can be standing on a farm 35 minutes, 35 minutes from O'Connell Bridge um, and there's a unique crankiness about North Dublin people uh, that I can say as a North Dub um, that I quite enjoy as well I think the pleasure of working in my own county, I mean, endless days of driving around the back of the airport or in villages or in people's homes or in village halls or things like that, that's probably a lot back. In terms of, of accomplishments, uh, establishing a service that people know and depend on now that I would could go to any town or village in the county and people would probably know who I am and what I do and that people would free to ask me questions. Um, the amount of young artists that have come up and gone through our hands as well. So those things. But I'd say the great pleasure for me was to work in, an, in, a, in a county that I grew up in, that my family grew up in and that I, I, I like. Um, and the thing about Fingal is you discover something new every day. Yeah. And have there been any disappointments? Uh, like I didn't become county manager or something? <laughs> or? No, no. Uh, have there been any disappointments? Um, I, would have, I would have thought there would have been a lot, a lot, lot uh, further down the road after three decades, that we would have had more staff, uh, more, more infrastructure in terms of theatres and art centres. But, you know two recessions, two major or three major recessions came in the way there and uh, now we've had COVID for two years could go on for another three somebody told me this morning the, fa- the Spanish flu lasted five years, so you know what I mean the world slows down sometimes and you just have to be patient and wait for it to pick up again yeah. You mentioned COVID-19 there and the arts have been mm. one of the areas hardest hit by, by COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic um, what has the impact been like on oh, oh, The impact has just been non-performance. That has been the hardest thing. People who want to do something locally, who have an annual festival. I mean, we used to have 11, 12 community or, or, or festivals from, from, in, from starting in May, going to October. So you'd have you know, festivals in Scaries, you'd have poetry festivals, music festivals, traditional music festivals, theatre festivals. They've all gone because people have lost their confidence to go into public and people won't come out and see performances. Our art centres and our theatres are closed. That has been the hardest part. Now, arts have still gone on because a lot of single makers, like people who are painters are in their studios, musicians in their studios, people who go out and make recordings are going out making recordings. But it's the group activity that's, that's, go- that's gone. Um, we've done a lot of podca- podcasts. We've done a lot of uh, um, uh, broadcasts with video. Uh, we've highlighted what's going on. But that's the most thing, is that the public element of it has closed down and you would have thought this time last year, well, we'd be grand next Christmas. Well, this is next Christmas, and it looks like we're in trouble again. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and I, you know, but I mean, you have to be optimistic to be an artist, you know, because what your constant companion is disappointment and rejection. 
Uh, if you want to be a professional artist, get used to being people saying no to you, and we don't want that. So once you get out, once you're one of the, once you're one of those hard-skinned people, well then, you know these sort of things are rhythms in life, and you go through them. It may gives you an opportunity to write that book that you never had time to do, or to paint that series of paintings, or to do whatever, write that piece of music. And a lot of people have told me it has given them the solace to do that or the time to do that. Yeah. How have you and your team dealt with the situation? Because obviously you'd be a point of contact for artists. Yeah, we kept in that. touch. We have a very good website called, uh, you know, I'll just give throw out the name www.fingalarts.ie, and it's uh, it's you know it's 20 years old, maybe maybe 18 years old. And it's a very deep website, and it has all the news and thing, all of the opportunities, all the help you could hope for. We kept in touch with people because we have a strong network of professional arts and amateur arts in Fingal. We kept in work. Uh, I came in for most of it, I'm not saying all the time, but once a week. But we worked from our kitchen tables like everybody else did. Uh, we put product out there, we gave opportunities to artists, we kept in contact. Yeah, we just kept working as best we could through it. Um, you know what I mean? We gave a lot of money out in grants, um, you know, hundreds of thousands in grants. We put on, uh, we put on a thing called Friday Forum, which was run by uh, a man called Eamon Maxwell, who's an advisor to the Arts Council. And he, every Friday, every Friday once a month, he did a, a Zoom where we would deal with a subject like tax or copyright. Uh, how to deal with galleries, how, how to develop your career, how to put a portfolio together, uh, how to shoot a video, how to build yourself as an artist. And that was, that was really successful because that was practical advice to people who needed to know, you know, if, if, I, buy, if I sell a painting for a 1,000 and I hear a week later it's been sold for 2,000, is there a benefit for me in that? Or if, you know, somebody photographs my work uh, off the net and uses it on the front of a catalogue, am I entitled, my copyright's been broken, I am entitled to a payment? for that so all those deep questions were answered and that was hugely successful we all learned something from it so we kept the information flowing we kept the gates open we kept the phones open and people could contact us and we did our best yeah and, and looking into your crystal ball yeah. what do you see happening in the arts over the next say 10 years um, well, I think, I, think, uh, I think the trend is that people want everything locally. People don't want to go into cities anymore. I mean, you want your local football pitch to be at a high standard. You don't have to go travel. Your kids don't have to travel. And that'll be the same at arts facilities. One-time artists all, always, like I'm talking about graduates of National College of Art and Design, which I came from, they always wanted to go into a city centre art studio. That was the thing to do. Now they don't. Now people want to. If you're from Balbriggan, you want an artist studio complex somewhere near that, or Baldoyle or Malahide. So artists will stay more or less in their own area. The arts will become richer within their local area. There is a lot of artists. Arts colleges are turning out 300 art students a year. Not all of them survive. It's not always the best that survive. I mean, I know you know individual artists for, as I say, 30 years. I mean, you know, what they should be teaching in, in art colleges is resilience because that's what you need to be a professional artist in any area. Musician, painter, poet, uh, writer. You need resilience. You need to keep going, keep going. It's not always the most talented that make it. But I would say, you know, we're going to develop locally. So it's Cultural Quarter, Arbal Brigan, other areas on the coast will develop. And, and so we'll have artist studios, we'll have recording studios, we'll have theatres, we'll have areas to perform in our locality. So the arts will become richer in that. And I think that's a good thing. So it's not city-based anymore and it's not regional-based, it's locally-based. And, and that's great news for, for everybody in Fingal yeah, that it it's, is, it's, going to, it's going to certainly help.
help the communities. Rory, unfortunately time has caught up on us, but we will come back to the Arts Office in future podcasts because I think we've only just touched on the, on the tip of the iceberg at, at this stage uh, and, and obviously an opportunity to look in greater detail at the excellent work being done by yourself and your team. Thank you very much indeed for, for talking to us and uh, I suppose keep up the good work. Thanks a million, Jerry. Thanks for the opportunity. So, that's it for episode 15 of Inside Fingal. My thanks to Fingal's arts officer, Rory O'Byrne, for showing us how important the arts are and highlighting the wonderful work being done by the arts community across Fingal. If you have any comments or suggestions in relation to the Inside Fingal podcast, please email podcast at fingal.ie. Remember, you can follow Fingal County Council on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn and also at fingal.ie. Thank you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye and stay safe.